1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal, in my Warwick home on this overcast Wednesday morning. Uh, want to be among the, the last, I suppose, to wish you all a happy 2023. Hope it's off to a healthy and safe start. Uh, I am joined, as usual, by my two co-conspirators coming off the holidays. Uh, first the sports director at Fox Providence and WPRI, Maury Hirsch Gordon. Maury, how we living, babe.
0: Happy New Year, guys. Uh good start here in 2023. Patriots still alive. Uh give us a give us a little bit of hope for another week. But uh man, college basketball in full swing now, conference play. Uh excited to keep it rolling.
1: Yeah, looking gray outside my window, a little overcast, a little nasty. It's it's getting closer to winter, feels like it, which means conference play is upon us. Uh, also joined by the sports director at ABC6, the weekend co-host of Cordishian and Coit on W A E I Providence, Nick Coit, ladies and gentlemen. Coity, how we living?
2: Yeah, this is one of those days that John DeLuca likes to walk into the office at Channel 6 and call it a gray day and it's certainly looks like it outside but the plus side is guys yeah i i think what what gets us through this time of the year and the uh the weather that it that that it be outside is is conference play and uh all the great games that we get to watch and you know once once those are over we turn around and oh look it's march and it's spring so that's that's the beauty the plus side the minus side
1: yeah a little more hazardous walking into the abc6 offices these days uh we're we're happy that Coity and, and his co-workers made out unscathed from a, a, a minor uh fire there in the office uh some of the equipment there not so much um, yeah
2: a the- lot of remote work now um you know uh it's it's been a, an adjustment uh for sure um you're right bill the, the the blessing is that nobody got hurt uh everybody was okay um things can be replaced that's that is what it is um you know so we 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 power on we trudge on and you know it's meant a lot of spending times in in you know shooting video in in gyms and and doing a lot of stories out on the road and that's uh we do a lot of that this time of the year anyways so i'm spending a lot of times with these these basketball teams
1: yeah and the three of us were uh, in providence on monday for pcs media availability ahead of their best game of the season to date coming up and that's wednesday uh number 4 connecticut Comes to town, comes to the amp. Uh, 8.30 p.m. tip on Fox Sports 1, a a showdown of two teams at the top of the Big East. Uh, UConn suffering their first loss of the season at Xavier over the weekend, still number four in the polls. Uh, Providence, one of the two 4-0 teams in the league, along with Xavier. Uh, Xavier was the team who took down UConn in a thriller on Saturday. Um, you know, guys, we're, we're looking at Providence, obviously, uh, team that is 12 and three overall, as Ed Cooley said in his availability, uh, they have hit the midpoint of the season. This will be game 16. You play 31. Um, so early in the conference schedule, but far along in, in terms of where we are, uh, with respect to the whole body of work. And and this would be, uh, a huge win for Providence if, if they were able to bank it against the Huskies who, so far to date, uh, you know, even including that loss to Xavier, they've looked like one of the best teams in college basketball.
2: I uh, I couldn't help but laugh when I heard you say that uh, the Huskies are are coming to the dunk. Because all I thought I thought of was uh, they're coming, Bill, they're But no, coming. I, I
1: said the imp. I said the imp. and you oh, said you the did say the no. You I did said it. the dunk.
2: I said the dunk. You did it. I know. Well, see, that's what I think of when I think of Dan Hurley, because the last time he was there was what over six years ago, right? With URI, because. Yeah, it was 2016, I think.
1: It would have been the 16-17 season. Uh, yeah. Dan Hurley's last year at URI, 17-18. Uh, the rivalry game was at the Ryan Center. Um, and, and last year, as we know, uh, URI played at uh, URI. Uh, now I now it's my turn to fumble. <laughs> uh, PC played at UConn, uh, won a game at a sold-out XL Center, uh, but the return match was canceled due to COVID nineteen uh, considerations. One of three games that Providence did not play last season, uh, so UConn has not made a trip uh, to the AMP as a member of the Big East in in a long time. It's over a decade, uh, you know. So certainly, this one has been circled uh, on calendars for a while.
2: Well, and the Huskies are, you know, when when we last saw them come to downtown Providence. They were that program that is a perennial national championship contender, and here they are again at the top of the 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 country, the top of the league. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see it. Uh, I I just think the great thing now though is is UConn is sort of the same. They've circled back to being that UConn that we are used to. Providence. The last time these two teams met in downtown Providence. This Friars program was in a lot different place. Um, this Friars program, I mean, Ed Cooley was in, I believe, his second year. Now Providence is a perennial NCAA tournament team. Now Providence is a perennial contender in the conference, and it makes for what I think is a is a really cool rivalry. Um, I know we throw that we throw that word out on this podcast a lot, I guess, but um this this is one of those that I think everybody can really embrace because it's within the league. Um, It's two great teams in a region like New England that are not only competing on the court, but they're competing for the same names on the recruiting trail um, because they want to be at the top of the league. They want to be in the top of the country. And so, you know, I, I think with the growth that Providence has gone through the last decade and where they are now with Ed Cooley, the Naismith National Coach of the Year, you know, leading a team that gets to the NCAA tournament every year, this is, this is pretty cool how the, the the matchup and the the rivalry itself has sort of transformed.
0: Yeah, it's been nine years since UConn, uh, you know, even sniffed a, a Sweet 16. Uh, and that was their last national championship in 2014. Uh, picked up one NCAA tournament win. I believe it was the 15-16 season. Uh, and other than that, you know, have been pretty dormant in the month of March. Uh, even last year, you know, we had a chance to see the Huskies up close and personal in Buffalo. They were in the same, same, uh, you know, first and second round location as the Friars. Uh, they get upset by New Mexico State and, you know, PC's coming off of a Sweet 16, a Big East regular season championship. So, yeah, a lot definitely has changed. Um, you know, some things, though, have stayed the same. Like you mentioned, Coit. Um, you know, the last time with UConn coming here. Uh, they, they were this, this top five, top 10 program that, that Jim Calhoun built, uh, way back in the late eighties when he, when he first got to stores. Um, but yeah, what a matchup. I mean, what a matchup. This place is going to be rocking on Wednesday night. Can't wait to see this matchup. Uh, I'm sure we'll dive into a lot of the X's and the O's right now, but, uh, the thing that jumps out to me, is just the athleticism, uh, on the side of UConn and, and how Providence can, can, uh, can slow them down.
1: Yeah, that certainly the best collection of, of just physical talent that, that Providence has seen this season and, and probably will see this season unless they play deep into March into the NCAA tournament. Um you look at UConn with with certain guys on their roster who are difficult matchups for anybody. Uh Sanogo is a big East preseason player of the year. Uh you look at Andre Jackson, guy who is a, an athletic freak, uh someone who who has a very varied skill set. On the perimeter, uh, Jordan Hawkins. I, I know Dan Hurley spoke about him last year as a future pro. He's really broken out this year in his sophomore season on the perimeter. Um, yeah, and then some of the other guys who they've brought in a, as transfers, uh, you know, or freshmen. Donovan Klingon is a monster in the paint at seven foot two. Uh, the Bristol, Connecticut native playing in his home state. Um, Joey Calcaterra gives them shooting. San Diego transfer. Tristan Newton, Naheem lean are, are two bodies in the backcourt uh, who give them skill and and scoring. Uh, Hassan Diara is is a strong defensive guard who they brought in from Texas A and M. Um, you know, so this roster has a, a lot of answers. And you know, on a given night, as we saw at the the Phil Knight event over Thanksgiving, uh, I mean, they just shelled a really good Alabama team, made them look like a JV team in two long stretches, one in each half. Um, same Alabama team who went to Houston and won uh, earlier this year. So you get an idea of UConn's upside. Uh, I think Providence has shown us that uh, there is ceiling for them as well. Uh, you know, And it sort of kicked in you know, probably around the time of the URI game. Uh, you know, they're coming off a loss to TCU, and they've won seven straight since then. Uh, and I think what, what changed uh, around that time, and I know Coit brought this up to me the other night, Providence wins at URI. They go back to the amp and they just crush Manhattan and Albany and it was such a different vibe from the two previous home games against Merrimack and Columbia where they sort of staggered at times. Um you know, and you could say, well what's the difference? All those teams stink. Well, that's true. They they do. But when you are putting a team on a floor with an inferior opponent and you watch them win by 30, 35, 40. That's a lot different than seeing them stagger around and win by 15 and you know, let the other team get the lead down to 8 and let them make a run and you throw the ball out of out of bounds 5 times in a row. Uh and that's carried over to Big East play. Uh you know, really Providence had two decent wins to start at Seton Hall home to Marquette, who who is one of the better teams in the league. Uh and then these last two games, this this two-game road trip against Butler and, and against DePaul. Providence treated them the way they should be treated, quite frankly. Butler was a rebuilder. DePaul is a doormat. Providence spared no expense in those two games. They were up 28 at the half at Butler. They were up 25 in the second half against DePaul. They just crushed them, just completely dismissed them. And and to me, that is the sign of a team that going forward could do something here.
0: No doubt. It's it's a team that, that knows – uh, when they're better than a, a, another team, uh, they go out and they don't they don't play with the final result. They they go out and and they make sure they take care of it. And and it was, um, you, you know, you know, like Ed Cooley said, you go on, on the road for five days and you do some team bonding things. And you know you play two games there. And um, you know maybe this is another type of stepping stone for this team. Uh, you know they go on the road for for almost a week there and uh, they spend some time with each other. They obviously had been rolling when they. Uh, after the Marquette game, when they went into the Butler game, but you know maybe this is just another another step uh, in the right direction for them, and now they get to come home, and they're rewarded with a top five team in the country. Um, so yeah, no, really, really impressed, really impressed by that. Uh, I mean, this team has done, in my opinion, a complete 180 from the from the start of the season, uh, and it's a and it's a trip, it's a it's a uh, you know tip of the cap to Ed Cooley and his staff, uh, and also the leadership. Uh, of this team. Jared Bynum has grown tremendously um, in that lead, lead guard uh, top of the scouting report type of player uh, here in his fifth year of college. Bryce Hopkins has taken a huge lead, uh, f- you know, really playing like the four-star recruit he was coming out of high school uh, that, that that got him on John Calipari's radar. Um, and, and Ed Croswell as well, you know, I mean, I mean, this is a guy that who I remember watching in the high school days back in Philadelphia and, and you know, bulldog on the floor would just grab a ton of rebounds and, and dive on the floor for loose balls and draw charges, had no semblance of an offensive game, like none. Um, and, and that's probably why he ended up at LaSalle first, uh, but he's continued to grow and build year after year. And I see it's a very similar trajectory to like a Noah Horkler or a Jared Bynum. It's like once you get to these programs – um, you know, the second or the third year is when you pop. That's when it, that's when two years of practices at the Big East level, two years of games at the Big East level really start to pay off. Um, and in a league littered with a ton of great big men, uh, Ed Croswell has certainly, you know, put himself, uh, in my opinion, in the top five, top seven in that position. Uh, and that's really anchored down low for the, for the Friars. Steady Eddie, right?
2: Steady. I mean, he just... Every night, you know what you're getting from him, um, and that's that's a tribute to him and who he is and his work ethic.
1: Croswell um, cleaners open for business. <laughs> More nights than not. Man, <laughs>
2: cool. He's got the lines. If you yep, see, it, you, you get know. to see him during any practices. He's got the lines. I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> right, a couple right. things, you know, Bill. You were you were hinting at, um, you know, right around the time where the the you know the Friars have have gone on this stretch here, winning seven straight, and Um, you know, I, I said to Bill, you know, before we did the podcast that something clicked in that little time period between the TCU loss and the roadie win. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I, sometimes a rivalry game, there's that word again, um, can, can snap you into, you know, sort of a business mode. I, I think, you know, maybe, maybe it was the TCU loss. I think maybe that was part of it, um, But at the same time, that little window, you know, the way that they handled business against URI at the Ryan Center, they were well prepared and they went in there and they played well. Um, And you saw guys perform well that night. And that was a tribute to the lead up. And after that point, Providence hasn't blinked. You know, and as you mentioned, Bill, they took care of business with the games post URI. Um, you know, I think better than they handled some of them. You know, around the Thanksgiving time, you know, before the roadie game,
1: um, oh, much much better, night and day. Yeah,
2: yeah, and it's sometimes a, a game like that where you know that you know maybe there's a little more importance. It just kind of maybe just snaps you into like a all right, we got to w- work mode here, you know, and and maybe Ed Cooley as as much as he was talking about and acknowledging the rivalry thing at the time with URI, you know, we talked about how the respect that he has for Archie Miller. Um, and, you know, and that was part of it, but maybe a little small part of it maybe was just the fact that he was like, you know, we're getting close to Big East play. Um, You know, maybe this will give maybe just a, a game on a bit of a pedestal will give them a little bit of a lift, you know, and it did. And, and the Friars performed well to their credit and they have not looked back. And sometimes a game like that can settle you into we had been talking about at the time how. You know, the coaching staff was searching a little bit in terms of the rotations, roles, all those sorts of things. And since then, you know, like Maury mentioned, Jared Bynum has really just he has grown. Um, and he's been so steady too. Um, you know, the offense is the offense is the offense. He's gonna get, you know, offense score points here and there. It's been more about okay, being the leader on the floor and making sure that you know Bryce Hopkins, Devin Carter. You know, they're doing the things that make them really, really good players, pushing the tempo, you know, setting guys up. Um, And so, yeah, I I think you've you've just seen that growth. You've seen, you know, who Ed Cooley can lean on um, in terms of his roles and his rotation. Um, I think we saw that in the Marquette game, too, just the way that he played guys. Um, So, yeah, things it's been it's been a, a heck of a, uh, you know, trajectory. I think we knew that it was going to take time for this PC team to gel together. A lot of new guys, a lot of new faces, but having Jared Bynum, Ed Croswell and Alan Breed, let's not forget about Alan Breed, who's a guy who's been around this program too, who has been really steady for them. I think the last month plus um, having those guys, you know, be around the program, I think has helped immensely when it comes to the growth of Bryce Hopkins, Devin Carter, making them feel comfortable you know, and and making you know helping them to break out here the last month plus.
1: Yeah, I think maybe after the first eight games, reality set in. the The fact is, Providence was not going to be an NTA tournament team after those eight games. They lost their three best chances to to make a statement on their resume: Miami, St. Louis, and TCU. Uh, as it stands now, Providence, even at twelve and three and four and zero in the Big East, would be a bubble team, firmly on the bubble. You know, whether it's last four in. First four out. That's about where they're trending right now. They're forty-eight in the net as we record this. Uh, forty-three in Ken Palm. So, so very much a fringy team. Uh, without uh a marquee win. Uh, you got Marquette at home is quadrant one right now. Uh, at Butler, oddly enough, is quadrant one as well. Uh, I I can't believe that Butler is going to stay in the top seventy-five. They're on the fringes of that right now. Um. But I think if if you're Providence, you, you might have looked at the schedule. It was not a particularly testing non-conference schedule. Uh, you had two chances at Mohegan Sun. Miami's proven to be a very good team. Not really a big surprise that Jim Larinaga would have it going again, coming off in Elite eight. Uh, but St. Louis was a game that they threw away. And, and the Billikens have not performed the way we might have expected leading into Atlantic 10 play. Um, so that was a game that, that Providence could have gotten something out of and did not. Uh, and then they went to TCU and, and really, yeah, the final score is is relatively close, but Providence wasn't really in any big danger of winning that game in the second half. Um, you know, so they had a lot of work to do coming out of that game and, and going to URI. And and I certainly think that they have accomplished playing themselves back onto the stage and and to a point where a couple impact wins in the Big East and and they will turn heads and and be back in March. Uh, And obviously this is a golden opportunity for the Friars um, in this 830 tip at home. Uh, You know, Coit, you mentioned Devin Carter. He's certainly another guy who's really come on here. Um, Had a great road trip, had 21 at Butler uh, the other day, had 22 at DePaul, which matched career high. Five steals matched a career high. Four block shots was a new career high, plus 32 in 28 minutes. Uh, This guy is a complete menace on the perimeter. Uh, SEC-level athlete. He's long. He's aggressive. uh, And he's found a a little bit of an offensive game here, getting himself to the rim. And and I think he's part of a larger trend at at Providence, which is something I'm going to write about leading into Wednesday's game. Uh, the Friars, we, we've we sort of looked at them under Ed Cooley as a defensive team, a, a gritty team, a team that shuts you down at the other end. They're 30 in Ken Palm offense right now. They they are trending towards their second straight year in the top 50. And I know Ed Cooley got into this a little bit uh, Monday at practice because I, I wanted to ask him about it. Um, they've made some conceptual changes to their offense that that has really benefited this program from the standpoint of more emphasis on getting the foul line higher free throw rate um you know maybe playing with a little more tempo this year uh you know you look at the Friars so far um and you look at what they've done in 70 possession games in in regulation they're 7 and 0 in those games 8-0 when you include marquette uh you know so being able to identify the strengths on the roster and tailor their style to that i think you're seeing even in you know, as Ed Cooley gets into his second decade at, at Providence, you're seeing the evolution uh, of the coach, of the program as well. It was something that Jay Wright was able to do at Villanova, um, you know, was very successful his first decade at Villanova, but was not winning national championships until he turned into this uber-efficient player uh, development machine that that the Wildcats had in the 2010s. Um, and I think you're seeing Ed Cooley now. I, I don't necessarily know if he's going to reach those heights. I'm not saying that, but you have seen him coach a better style of basketball at that end of the floor. Be more, um, you know, be more flexible at that end of the floor. Uh, and I think it's paid huge dividends for his program.
0: Yeah, it's a real tribute to to Ed to to come in to turn around a program uh, to get to the NCAA tournament year in and year out, and then change on the fly. I mean, that's that's usually the best leaders, you know, in the world and, and, and especially in sports is is you have to continue to change and, and keep up with the times and um, the success that Cooley had, um, you know, to, to just to get Providence off the mat and into the NCAA tournament year in and year out was one thing. And then it's using that success to change and to evolve and to get better athletes. And then once you get the better athletes, once you get the better recruits in the door, then it's continuing to, uh, to evolve to, to their strength. So I think it's a great point you make bill, uh, looking forward to the piece. I think, um, I think a lot of Friar fans out there will enjoy it, uh, especially heading into a matchup with, you know, a, an athletic UConn team that does like to get up and down the court, uh, and plays a point guard who's six, six, who's more of a point forward type. Um, who, who is, you know, uh, who has a ton of NBA bodies on their team, um, and, and definitely a few NBA prospects. So, uh, it, that should be it, it, should be a great game on Wednesday. Um, you know, PC continues to uh need to attack the rim uh against the Huskies. Uh, I don't want to play poo poo here, but um, you know, a, a few things that that worry me going into the game is just just their length, like they found a closing five, uh, and I like it. Um, you know, I, I like that Ed Cooley has has found that rotation, but they are a little thin and they are a little small. Uh, you know, when you go Jared Bynum and you go Alan Breed and you go Devin Carter, those are good athletes, but that's five ten, six two, six three, um, and none of those guys could ever line up as a fullback or a running back in your backfield. No, like if you put that, if you put them on a football field, they're your slot guys or or, or they're your guys, you know, on the outside, you know. Just just running a route straight down the field and seeing if you can beat the defensive back. You know, you, you look at UConn, Caravan 6'8, and Jackson 6'6, and Hawkins is 6'5. I just wonder, you know, uh, if Danny Hurley can put any of those players in the post. Does that give Providence some 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 issues? Um, can Providence rise up and make sure that they can get a hand in the face or potentially, you know, alter a shot uh, from the outside? Uh, like Hawkins, you know, loves to shoot from the outside, Caravan as well. Jackson's a willing shooter. Uh, and then down low, it's it's really the same thing. Ed Croswell's been amazing. I said it off the top here. Uh, but he's six eight, maybe six nine on a good day, right? Like Adama Sinogo, 6'11", burly, big. Uh, doesn't mean that Ed Croswell doesn't have the same dog and the same fight inside of him as Sonogo. I think he's he's probably tougher than Sonogo. Um, but he's gonna give up, he's gonna give up some weight, he's gonna give up some height. Uh, and, and Sonogo's a polished offensive player. And then Klingon off the bench at seven-two. I mean, he dwarfs uh, Rafael Castro in terms of size, height, and width. Uh, same with Clifton Moore, and then Croswell as well. So we haven't seen Danny Hurley, and I thought maybe we'd see it when we watched them at Xavier on Saturday potentially play Klingon and Sonogo together uh, because of Nungi and Fremantle that that play together. Uh, he didn't. He hasn't really done that much this season, uh, and I've caught UConn quite a bit. But um, I'm interested to see if maybe he he adds that new wrinkle uh, in at Providence, because for as good as Providence has been, um, and as good as they look right now, and they're off to their best start, you know, in Big East program history at four and O. They they just lack size, um, and and that's the one thing that um, has not come back to haunt them yet in conference play. Uh, And I'm just curious to see once they take this step up from, all right, you beat some middle of the tier conference teams, you know, DePaul's a a lower tier team, Butler's maybe in between the low and the middle tier. You know, now once you take that step up in weight class, you go to UConn, you go to Xavier, um, you know, when they play Marquette a second time in Milwaukee, when you play Creighton, you know, uh, if you can continue to, to, to win this way. Yeah. Depth is going to be tested.
2: Depth is, is the word for me um, with this game. And uh, you're going to need some of your guys. You mentioned Rafael Castro, you know, you're going to need some of those guys that are coming off the bench to, you know, give you some, some good minutes. Um, You know, and I, I think of like, okay, so how does Providence attack this? You know, the tricky thing is, you know, okay, so do they, do they lean on their speed? you know, maybe, maybe that's the direction that they go. Maybe trying to, you know, run the floor, going in transition, trying to get points that way. The tricky thing is UConn can run the floor too, you know, even with all their size, um, they're pretty quick too. They're pretty good athletes. So it's, this is a tricky matchup. That might be the direction I go if you're Providence, because I think that's probably your best bet with the size that you're going to be dealing with um, with the depth that you're going to be dealing with, um, you know, but I'm, I'm fascinated there to to see how this goes, but it's funny that we're talking about Providence being a, a speedy team, um, because as Bill mentioned, I thought this was it was an interesting discussion to have Monday of just how things have um evolved at, at PC because it was such a it was such a half court program, half court, gritty, get on the glass, you know, win that way. And I still think that 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 offensive rebounding, I think, is such a key to Ed Cooley's program, no matter what they're doing offensively. Um, but now it's just so, dark. I think of that 2020 season when they're winning games at Villanova, 57 to 56, and it's just, they're grinding out points, like trying to try, trying to get a basket is like really hard work. Now it's just, it's cl- it's quick because of the athletes that they have. You know, i I had asked Ed Cooley about Devin Carter because I just thought he's just a, a lead dog when it comes to that. Um, you know, and he just plays so quickly, so athletic. So, um yeah i'm interested to see how this this matchup goes bill i already have the headline for your piece from flex to flexible how about oh, that
1: oh look at you <laughs> look at you wow wow very good very good you are underpaid sir uh, i am really, you are underpaid guy.
2: cheesy sports guy here
1: you are you are underpaid uh you know but if if realistically, if you look at the top teams in the sport, the, the only one that really plays at a snail's pace is, is Virginia. Yeah. They're really the only one everybody else plays at a decent tempo, uh, you know, and it's very efficient offensively. And, you know, yes, it, it is, it is nice to guard uh, Providence is, is a top 65 defense and, and they've generally resided in the top 50 under Ed, uh, you know, and they do have some improvement to make at that end. He he said as much, he wants them to be more connected, more physical, uh, you know, guard the ball a, a little bit better. But um, their evolution at the other end of the floor is is really interesting to me. Um, you know, and we'll see what they do against Connecticut, who, who looks the most like Dan's last two teams at URI in terms of their chippiness, their edginess in the half court, uh, the way they bump cutters off, their roots, uh, the way they're physical without fouling, um, you know, the way they clear the defensive glass. Uh, they are a major headache. Try to score against with – uh, those athletes that length, uh, you know, so will be a fascinating matchup on Wednesday night. I know the three of us will all be there. Uh, Eight thirty tip on FS1. Um, if you want to talk about tempo, the fastest team in the country currently resides in Smithfield. That's Bryant, seventy-five possessions per game. They are number one uh, on that list, and and they have their own showdown on Thursday night at Vermont. Uh, two perceived favorites in the America East. Uh, Bryant coming off a tough test in the opener, 82-78 win against Binghamton at the Chase Center. Uh, Sharif Gross Bullock that night, 29 points, uh, really carried the mail for the Bulldogs in the second half. Uh, guys, a, a showdown for Bryant as well here, not just for Providence. Uh, you figure UConn has been, the uh, UConn, Vermont has been the bully in the American East for a long time. Got my state schools mixed up there. Apologies. Um you know, they've been the team that's controlled that league for the better part of the last decade or so uh and even going back further than that uh you know so you look at at Bryant they're going to have the work cut out for them a, a major test on Thursday up in Burlington
2: yeah and I I yeah, I'm interested to see how um you know they handle the environment too um you know because I I think that's going to be half the battle for Bryant is I think they can compete with anybody in America East. Um, but you are going into a place that, you know, Vermont plays well, obviously it's their home gym, um, you know, but a place where, you know, mentally they, they have been the perennial in the conference. They have run the conference. Um, and so this is an opportunity for Bryant to go in there and, and sort of throw the first punch, right? Go in there and show them, you know, win or lose, you know, it sounds cliche, but just go and show them that. Hey, we're not afraid to come in here if we have to. If we have to come back here in a couple months and there's a trophy on the line, don't don't think that we're gonna be knocked over. You know, we're we're gonna be right there. Um, you know, it's exciting because these are the two teams that um, you know, got first place votes uh when it came to the preseason poll. Um, you know, I think it's these two teams and and UMass Lowell have been the, the you know the most impressive, I think, so far in America East. Um, And so, yeah, it's a big-time conference game and a a chance for Jared Grosso's group to make a statement that, hey, Bryant's in the conference. We're here to compete. Uh, We're here to take your trophy, Vermont. And, you know, just to show that you can compete in their gym, I think, is is a huge thing.
0: It already has March implications. Uh, America East is is another conference that has uh, no neutral site conference tournament in March. So... Um, you know, you don't want to look that far down the road right now, but when Vermont comes to your place at the end of February, uh, if you have this one in your back pocket, then you're potentially talking about sweeping tiebreaker advantages, um, you know, winning potentially a regular season championship. So already there are March implications here in early January.
1: Yeah. Huge game. And and certainly one that, uh, you know, Bryant should be up for if you consider, yes, it's, it's largely a new roster, but if you believe in program DNA and, and that sort of thing, uh, you know, Bryant played huge games last year, uh, you know, played huge games down the stretch in the Northeast Conference. They they've played some non-conference tests this year. Uh, you know, if you look at what Bryant has done on their schedule, uh, you know, games like Florida Atlantic, like Cincinnati, uh, like Liberty have gotten them ready for for this. Uh, you know, and certainly you know, most of the teams they play in America East aren't going to be in that class, but um, you know, Vermont certainly is, and and they've scheduled similarly. Uh, you know, if you look at who the Catamounts have played so far: St. Mary's, USC, Iona, Yale, uh, Toledo, all in non-conference. Those are all top hundred teams, according to Ken Palm. You you wanted to get a physical representation of of what the best teams in your league would look like, and both of these teams have scheduled in that way. They've scheduled like teams who expect to play in March. And, you know, I think just that expectation, that mentality, guys, I, I think that is as important uh, as your physical talent, as what you can put on the floor. You know, that that sort of bar that you set for your program, the discussions that you have going into your seasons. Uh, and Bryant certainly is, has done that over the last two years. Uh, they have expected to play deep into March. They expect – to be on the NCAA tournament radar. And and this game is, is a huge appetizer uh, for what's to come over the next two months. Um, So really interesting in the, in that way.
2: Yeah. And I, I think um having the, having the Towson game right before conference play, I think it, it, you know, the way the schedule worked out, the way that things worked out, I think it was perfect for Brian. I really do. Um, I think it was a, in a way, a sort of get right game, if you will. Um, you know, because I think they they had competed well, obviously early on in the season. Um, they you know, they grabbed some good wins, um, you know, particularly go to Syracuse, beat Syracuse. Um, you know, but I think after the the couple of weeks there where they had the illness and the situation with Kavon Kramer and um, you know, all the things that they kind of they hit some adversity. And, you know, the fact that they played Towson before the holiday and they play well they play with the effort that they had and they looked like the Bryant team that we saw early on in the season and a Bryant team that we expect to compete in America East. I think it was, uh, it it was a huge thing for them. And particularly, you know, getting a, a day like they did from Chauncey Hawkins, it's like, okay, well, you know, this is a guy that we expected to contribute early on in the season. He went through his own, you know, situation and, you know, now he's on the floor, he can help them compete. Um, and so I, I think that, that came at the right time for them. And then to start conference playoff the way that they did, it was a grind it out kind of win. You know, they hold off Binghamton in their home gym. Um, yeah, I think things have trended well. This is this comes at a good time, I think, for Bryant.
1: Yeah, so Bryant, uh, you know, certainly playing Vermont Thursday. That'll be an interesting game. One to look forward to. Uh, conference play in the Ivy League. Got off to a start here on Monday night uh, with Brown hosting Penn. Uh the Quakers surged down the stretch, 76-68 winners over the Bears. Uh, Brown with a, a glut of home games here to start. Uh, they still have Harvard and Dartmouth this weekend. Um, you know, but a tough one for, for Brown. Uh, you know, a game that felt like it was on the table. And then down the stretch, they just couldn't get stops. Uh, Penn from the 421 mark on. It was a 57-57 tie. Uh, Penn scored on each of their next eight trips down the floor, uh, whether it was shots from the field or at the foul line. Um, you know, sort of atypical of of how Brown has played so far this year. Uh, you know, but the Quakers are going to be in any game any night because of the two terrific guards they have. Uh, Clark Slacker had 31 points in the game, two off his career high. Jordan Dingle, who is their leading scorer, a third leading scorer in the nation, had a Deuce at halftime. Had 18 of his 20 in the second half. He hit that number for the 11th straight game. Uh, The son of of former UMass standout Dana Dangle has plenty of toughness, like the old man. Uh, You know, and Penn certainly showed its metal down the stretch. It it showed why it is a perennial top four team in the Ivy League, a a team that plays in that Ivy League playoff annually. Um, You know, it it was just a case, guys, of, of Brown had an opportunity there and, and just saw it slip through its fingers uh, particularly at the defensive end down the stretch
0: yeah some shades of last year uh three and six last year in single digit Ivy League games um a lot of you know I get it Tammany Cho and Jalen Ganey gone uh, a few other players not there but you know uh Nanawo Suanane's back, Friday's back, Cowan's back, Lily's back, Ferrari's back. There are a lot of guys that were on last year's team. Um, and you just have to think, you know, that was my first thought. Uh, and I asked Mike Martin post game about, you know, if there's any of that, that was their bugaboo last year. And he said, no, he said, we feel completely, you know, confident in late situations, um, you know, late game situations when it's a one-two possession game. Uh, they have showed they can pull games out uh, that are close this year in the non-conference. It's just different once conference play rolls around. Um, And again, you have a chance on your home floor to win a standalone game because we know in the Ivy league, they play Fridays and Saturdays for the most part. And that's tough turnaround to play two games back to back nights, um, whether you're on the road or whether you're at home. So it's, it's always a good idea if you, if you can get that standalone game, they play, you know, a few Mondays throughout the year uh, before you have a a, a few days off um, before the next weekend comes around. And, I'm not so sure uh, that this Brown team uh, can can shake that. Um, you know, they have to prove that they can win close games, that they can make plays down the stretch. You know, yes. Did Penn make some tough shots? Yes. Do, do you tip your cap every once in a while? Sure. But defensive breakdowns, not for for as many possessions in a row as you mentioned, Bill. Um, and then some self-inflicted wounds on the other end that Mike Martin points out. You know, Nana Wusu-Anane gets called for the moving screen. Like, you got to know in a two-possession game when you're trying to get Keno Lilly, uh, you know, flying off the baseline for a corner look, you've got to be set. And you also potentially have to know, hey, if I don't get out there, that's fine. The big man might go and help if the guard trailing Lily is a step or two behind. And if I just open up and roll, I might be open at the at the block for a dunk. And that would have still pulled the game back to a three-point game. And it would have been one possession at that point. So, I got to see. They've got, you know, last year we we talked about five of their first six being on the road to start conference play. You know, maybe, okay if you if you're a game or two below 500, you've got the home slate, you know, on the back half. You've got the students coming back. You know, maybe you can rally the troops, get close to 500, maybe sneak into the Ivy League playoffs this year. I don't think that's the key. I, I don't think that's you have to take care of your games at home or else that back half of the schedule could get tough.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna panic quite yet, um, because I I think that, you know, this is the preseason favorite in the Ivy League coming in. And and I don't know are there better scores in the conference than well, Dingle, but then slacker. I mean, the guy went off at 31 points last night. And you and you're right, there's little things to clean up, Maury. Um, you know, but there were some tough shots that they made down the stretch. Um, and maybe this is the glass half full, you know, kind of, you know, other side of it. It's it's uh yeah, I mean, there was one particular basket where Dingle, I think, went through three guys in the paint and got got the the hoop and harm. And it was just like, how do you stop that? You know, when when somebody feels that dominant on the floor like that, um you know, eight straight possessions is eight straight possessions. Um, but I think some of those were just the the talent that Dingle and and Slacker, particularly last night, um you know, really possess. Um, so I, you know, I wonder if they're going to see, you know, another combo like that. It's tough to have a combo like that that can score at will. Um, you know, but this weekend you're, you're right. This weekend has now become more important right away. Uh, two home games right after this to start. Um, yeah, you, you've, you've got to play well. Um, you've got to bounce back quickly. Um, you know, I, I was, I was, Struck by how good you know Kino was at least matching those guys on the other end of the floor offensively, uh, down the stretch. I, I think Kino has grown as a reliable scorer. I think that that Keno obviously he hit a big shot that almost won them the game against Penn last year at home. Um, but now I just think if you get him an open look down the stretch, you feel like it's going in. And that's a that's a tribute to him and his growth. So um, yeah, it's last night was tough. Um, but you know, I think this weekend they have a chance to really bounce back here. And, you know, I think because of the way they've played defensively in non-conference play, um, because of the way they've they've won some close games, um, you know, I, I feel good that they'll be able to bounce back.
1: Yeah, Keno Lilly Jr. I need to say that slowly because I, I trip over <laughs> myself. Uh, 21 of his 28 points in the second half for Brown. He, he was throwing in three-pointers like they were free throws at, at one stretch. Uh, Nana Anane had 16 points, 16 rebounds. That's a new career high on the boards. Uh, he had matched his previous career high of nine in the first 12 minutes of the game. Uh, so he was up for it. Certainly, uh, Kimo Ferrari had five steals in the game. Um, Pax and Woja competed hard uh, as well, particularly in the first half against Dingle. Um, you know, but you look at, at Brown and you just need more contributions down the roster, whether that's offensively, defensively. Um, you just need a little bit more help, uh, you know, and you you hope to get that this weekend against Harvard and Dartmouth. Um, you know, we, we look at URI and URI hosting Fordham in their A-10 home opener on Wednesday night. Uh, URI coming off a road loss at Duquesne. Um, URI women play a huge game on Wednesday night at UMass. Uh, UMass, the top net team in the Atlantic 10, Currently, uh, the UMass women, uh, a team that the Rams swept last year, home and home. Uh, and we're really good at Mullen Center, uh, winning a game by 14. Um, everybody else, you're out of the show. Apologies. Uh, we'll, we'll get to you next time. Um, you know, but for now, uh, we welcome you all to 2023. Uh, we thank you all for hanging with us. Um, and we look forward to the games this week as they heat up in conference play. Gentlemen, as always, thank you both very much.